Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, are you there? Follow along in your copy of the Scriptures as I begin with verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything we think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Did you make any New Year's resolutions? Some of you have made the resolution that you don't make resolutions. New Year's resolutions are interesting because they are certainly good intentions. You want to develop some good habits, but do you know how hard it is to develop a good habit? Do you know how hard it is to break a good habit? Not very hard. And yet in our spiritual lives, many times we simply think we're going to just mature and grow without any plans, without any focus, without any development. You see, the reality is if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And so I want to ask you, what are you aiming for in 2019 as it relates to your Christian life. What are your 2019 spiritual growth targets? What do you want to hit? Where do you want to go? In our passage, Paul gives us his target. I want you to note what it is. It's in verse 13. And in verse 13, Paul says, one thing I do. One goal that I have, one target that is mine, one thing I do. And then verse 14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, my aim is this. My spiritual goal is this. This is what I want to do. 
I want to keep on pressing. I want to keep on straining. I want to reach toward that target. That goal, that prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I think it's important for us to understand that Paul has some motives. He has some purposes. He has some reasons that this is his goal. And in our text, three times Paul says, that I may. Look at your scriptures. Verse 8 at the end, that I may. Look at verse 10, that I may. Look at verse 11 in the middle, I may. Underline those in your Bibles, please, because these are the reasons that Paul gives to us that he is pressing toward the goal, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And this is what Paul is trying to develop in his life. You know, a lot of times in our Christian lives, even if we do do resolutions, we say, well, I want to be a better Christian. What is that? I want to be more spiritual. Okay. I want to be more faithful. That's good. But Paul gives us the background as to what he is trying to accomplish as he presses toward that prize. Look with me at verse 8. In order that I may gain Christ. We didn't take the time to read the first six verses of Philippians chapter 3. But in those verses, Paul gives to us his pedigree. He tells us about himself. Will you look at those very quickly, please? Look with me at verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day, people of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, as a law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. That's pretty good, isn't it? You say, Paul, you've made it. You're there. As Paul reminds us, Paul had a lot to be thankful for in the flesh. You remember that he was a Roman citizen because he was freeborn. And then he says, not only that, I was circumcised on the eighth day. You remember when they took Jesus to the temple to be circumcised on the eighth day? That was good stuff. He was of the tribe of, tribe of Benjamin. Remember the tribe of Benjamin? Benjamin was the tribe from which the first king of Israel came. That was Saul. Benjamin was the second tribe of the southern kingdom. Benjamin and Judah. It was great to be from Benjamin. You were somebody. Then he says, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. You want to know what a Hebrew looks? Look at me. He goes on to say, I was a Pharisee. I kept the law. I not only studied the law, but I kept the law. He was a persecutor of the church, and he was religious. Did you notice that at the end of verse 6? 
as to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. That's Paul. But something happened to Paul. He met Jesus. You remember that? He was going to persecute the church. And a great light shone and it penetrated his life and Jesus invaded him. And said, Saul, Saul, this is before he was Paul, Saul, how come you're, prick, you're kicking against the pricks? How, how come you're trying to destroy my followers? Saul said, who are you, Lord? And he got wonderfully, gloriously saved, and it changed his life. And now he's writing to help us understand what changed in his life. And Paul says, what changed in my life is all I want is to gain Christ and to be found in him. John Corson, in his commentary on the book of Galatians, or the book of Philippians, says this. It's not enough, gang, for you and me to revel in what we once counted as loss. It's not enough to say... Yeah, 15 years ago, I was witnessing to people, passing out tracts, knocking on doors, sharing my faith. Yep, back in the days of the revival, that was me. If what I did 15 years ago or what I gave up concerning the flesh one month ago doesn't translate into present practice, it's meaningless. His first target was that he would gain Christ and be found in him, nothing but Jesus. That's why I keep pressing on. I keep striving. I keep reaching toward the goal. We spent some time out of John chapter 15. One of my goals for 2019 is to memorize that passage of Scripture. And you remember what we talked about? Talked about fruit. And we talked about this is how you prove you're one of his disciples. Remember that? Paul wanted to give evidence that he was one of his disciples. I've gained him and be found in him and people look at me and see Jesus. Not only did Paul want to be gain Christ and be found in him. Look with me please at verse 10. Paul says that I may know him know him in the power of the resurrection fellowship of his sufferings being like him into his death that I may know him intimately that I might have such a tight relationship with Christ that he and I are one the word know here is an interesting word it has the idea of that tight relationship it has the understanding that two are one. It's the same word that Matthew uses when the angel came to Joseph and said to him, don't fear to take Mary as your wife. Remember that? So he took unto him his wife and did not know her until she had given birth to her first. That's the same word. Do you know how intimate that is? How connected that is? How that makes 
us one with him. But not only know his person, but know his power. The power of his resurrection. We meet on Sundays because it was the first day of the week when they discovered that Jesus was not in the tomb, but he is risen, as he said. Amen? Isn't that great? He's alive. Say that with me. He's alive. You believe it? Huh? Pastor John encouraged us to sing loud enough so that the churches down the road would hear us. I want you to say he's alive loud enough so the churches down the road hear us. If not, the churches at least fell posh. All right? Here we go. He's alive. Amen. That's the power of his resurrection in our lives. And Paul wanted to live that out in his life. He wanted the abundant life. You know the resurrection changed everything. Up until that time, it was simply another crucifixion. Romans did that often. It was not unusual for Rome to assert its authority over its citizens to keep them under control. The citizens of Jerusalem had seen crucifixions before. But no one had ever witnessed a resurrection. Amen? Now I know Lazarus came forth. And I know that there was a dead son that was raised from the grave. But Jesus had been dead and placed in the tomb. And a stone had been sealed. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. And then they experienced it because they saw him. And the fellowship of his sufferings. As many of you know, one of the things I enjoy doing when someone gets promoted to glory is looking through their Bible. Connie's mom had several Bibles, and one of them she kept at church so she wouldn't be at church without a Bible. She left it right under the seat where they sat. Monday, some folks came over, and they, they brought us Nanny's Bible. And I went through it. There were a couple of quotes that she had written in there. She wrote, if you never had a problem, you wouldn't know what God could do. That's not She wrote, we haven't been promised an easy journey, but we have been promised a safe arrival. <laughs> Share his sufferings. It's okay. Because God is faithful. And when you're struggling, know God is faithful. And when you're on a journey that is difficult, Understand that you're not home yet and you will get a safe arrival. Paul recognized that and said, That I may, that I may know him and his power, his resurrection, fellowship of his sufferings. 
And then what did he say? Becoming like him into his death. Now, Paul was not sadistic and wanting to leave this earth. But do you remember what Jesus said at his crucifixion? One of the things he said was, Father, forgive them. One of the things he said was, this day you'll be with me in paradise today. Thief was crucified. One of you said, take care of my mom. Paul's third purpose statement is simply this. That I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Why? I'm looking forward to glory. How about you? Eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of men the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. I was thinking, I do that every once in a while. Connie didn't think I do it often enough. I was thinking. Do you remember when we started 2018? Remember the folks who were with us during 2018 that got promoted to glory? None of them planned to go to glory. But I tell you, none of them want to come back. We're the ones who struggle. We're the ones who have sorrow. We're the ones who are left here empty-handed. They got it all. Woo! And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to being part of the resurrection. And just as sure as I'm standing here today, I am confident that because I have received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, that one day when I absent my body, I will be present with him. And that will make it all worthwhile. That's why Paul says, this one thing I do. Now, a lot of times we tend to complicate our spiritual growth, right? So I want you to write down KISS, will you? You know what that means, right? Keep it simple, saints. This is the KISS method. We don't say that other S word in our house. Keep it simple, saints. This one thing I do. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, how do I do that? That's a good question, isn't it? Look with me at verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to that which lies ahead. How do I do it? I realize I can't live in the past. Whether I made or even thought about 
or even attempted to grow spiritually in 2018. If I failed, it's all right, it's gone. Can't live back there. One of the things that I ask each of our deacons to do is talk about their next spiritual steps. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And it is not unusual, frankly, for them to share with me, this was what I wanted to do last year and I didn't quite make it, so I am going to try to do it again this year. That, that's okay. And if you've messed up in the past, that's okay. I have a sign on my desk that says, don't look in the past, you're not going that direction. Paul said, I forget the things. I, I got I to leave it alone. It's gone. And what do I do? I strain. The term has the idea of an athlete. That is doing his best to give 100%. strain it, it living a Christian life is hard work nothing easy about it but I strain forward to what lies ahead and what do I do I press in toward that that goal and the prize the high calling of God that's what we're talking about now how do you do that let me just give you some practical stuff it all starts with goals it all starts with goals. Then priorities are schedule and are discipline, right? This, this is the formula. It works every time. Goals. What do you want to do? What, what do you want to do? Write it out. What do you want to do? Priorities. How bad do you want to do it? Oh, boy, that's the rubber meat in the road, isn't it? Schedule. When am I going to do it? And discipline. Doing it. There, there it is. It's simple formula, right? Easy stuff. Goals, priorities, schedule, discipline. And let me encourage you not to take your Christian life for granted. Get some goals, make them a priority, discover when you're going to accomplish it, and then do it. Somebody said to me, I'm hitting the gym tomorrow. That's good. That's good. It is. I get a blog every day from a guy by the name of Tom Rayner. And Tom has a brother by the name of Steve. And he did a blog that is entitled, 10 New Year's Resolutions for Every Pastor. Good stuff. Can I give them to you real quick? Hold me accountable to these, will you? I want to look out for the fringe and hurting people in 2019. I want to laugh more. Some years ago, I was going through a tough time in my life in ministry. And you'll know when it is as I tell you what I was doing. I was laying in bed, 
and I was reading Bill Cosby's book, Fatherhood. If you've not read it, it's an old book, read it. And as I was reading it, I started to laugh. Connie looked over at me and she says, you're back. Thinking, where'd I go? I said, what do you mean? She said, you're laughing again. I want to laugh more. I want to be an example of discipline. I want to be the lead encourager at CBC. The lead cheerleader. I want to practice forgiveness in my life. I want to have an attitude of gratefulness. I want to listen more. My mom used to say, God gave you two, two ears and one mouth. Use them in that proportion. I need to listen more. I want to read more devotionally. You know, I can spend hours and hours and hours preparing a message. But that's to feed you, not to feed me. And I need to feed me. I want to share my faith with somebody once a week. Now, you notice here, I didn't say I want to lead somebody to Christ once a week. That's not my job. It's not your job. My job is to share my faith. Be ready always to give an answer. I want to share my faith at least once a week. I want to pray for the members of the Calvary Baptist Church daily. Hold me accountable to that, will you please? Because the truth is, if we aim at nothing, we'll hit it every time. And I want you to know what I'm aiming at. But I also want to challenge you to know what you're aiming at. Now the truth is, You can aim all you want, but unless at some point you pull the trigger, you'll never hit the target. You can aim all you want, but unless you let the arrow go, it'll never find its mark. So I ask you again, what are your 2019 spiritual growth targets? Paul had one. One thing I do, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling 